This morning, we have a special guest. We, as a network, every Advent, uh, what we do is we rotate pastors through our congregations, right? We have three congregations, Grace Downtown, Grace Meridian Hill, and here, Grace Mosaic. And what we want to do is we want to share this time together. And so now we have an opportunity uh, to hear from Pastor Ramargo Yancey, who is the assistant pastor uh, at Grace Meridian Hill, our sister church over in Columbia Heights. And, um, and I want us to receive him with open hearts and open ears. Uh, he's a gifted brother. Uh, he's a counselor. So watch out because he might sneak one in there on you. Um, but we're glad to have him, and I want to invite him to come on up now. Thank you, brother. Thank you. God bless you. All right, man. All right, move that down there. You can turn that around. All right. Just want to say, first off, good morning, and uh, glad to be with you. Be back somewhere. I'm on. All right. Good morning. <laughs> glad to be with you. Uh, haven't been with you before, and so this is my first morning. What a privilege I have to open God's Word. This morning, we will be starting out reading from John 1, 1 through 18. It's our Advent passage uh, as in our wider network. So would you please read along with me? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was, was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your precious gift, who is Christ. Thank you for your word, that we get a chance to open it and receive what you have for us today. 
Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would you bring clarity in this message? God, would you transform us more into the likeness of your Son in this Advent season? As we wait upon the second coming of our Lord and Savior, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, it's Christmas time, right? It's a time of the year where you may be wondering, what type of gifts will I get my friends and family? Or what will I receive this year for Christmas? You know, when I was 10 years old, I wanted a boombox. <laughs> I, went, I went Christmas shopping with my mom, and I saw one that I wanted. I remember indicating somehow that the silver boombox with the big speakers was the perfect gift. Surely, she would catch my drift, right? She would get the hint. There's no need to continue to remind her about it. You know, I was 10 years old at the time, so I didn't have to whine about it. On Christmas morning, I opened my gifts only to find out that my boombox did not boom. My mom purchased a small dual cassette radio. I was bombed out, to say the least. You know, there was no glory in that small rectangle radio. I had a smile on my face, but secretly in my heart, I rejected the gift. Has something similar happened to you? The gift that you wanted was a big disappointment. It was not what you expected. And it left you in a place where you were lacking. Maybe some of you have had stories like that. You expected something from your parents, and it didn't come through for you. Life is such, isn't it? We have expectations of all kinds. Maybe it's a promotion at work, or maybe it's entering into a relationship, long-awaited singleness, and it doesn't come for some time, or maybe never. But it leads to the same thing, a great lack, a disappointment, and sometimes just rejection of who we are. You know, maybe it's this account that's before us. You know, you were expecting a, a, baby in a baby in a manger, the angels and the shepherd story. Instead, what John does here, he gives us the core essentials. Jesus is eternal. He came down in time to seek and to save his own. You know, in this gospel we have, the apostle goes to great lengths to disclose who Jesus really is. John is repetitiously clear about the reason for this revelation, the good news about Jesus. In John 20, 31, he states that he has recorded this gospel so that we will believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Therefore, the apostle John writes a gospel account where he discloses the fact that Jesus is the long-awaited Savior. He is the long-awaited Messiah. Because during the time of, of the first advent, they were longing. They were desperate, and they were waiting. They were in pain because, the, because of the imperial guards, because of the Romans, and they wanted someone to come and overthrow them. So this was a long-awaited, strong one, mighty one, and he came lowly as a baby. He came down in a real, 
real human body. It says here in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God in the second person of the Trinity made his dwelling among us. What was the purpose of this? Well, Jesus came to bring life to people in the world. And at this first advent, we, we were a bunch of lost people. As a human race, we searched for God, and, and there was not a way to him. You know, the scripture is clear that, that no one can get to God. There's, there's no, no one that can seek him. Uh, no one can, get, can work their way to God. So Jesus had to come. Jesus had to make his dwelling among us as one of his creatures. You know, this language takes us back in Scripture to the Exodus. There God saved his people by bringing them out of the house of slavery in the land of Egypt. He made a covenant with them. He made a covenant with them that he would be their God and they would be his people. He brought them out to himself. He spoke to them. And God had them to build a tabernacle, to pitch a tent for his dwelling. And God came down in a cloud and spoke out of that cloud to his people. You know, Jesus is the fulfillment here of the tabernacle and the temple. You know, during this first advent, he is the dwelling place of God, the Savior of the world. As verse 4 indicates, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Jesus brings hope to the hopeless state, state of men. Without the, way to, to, without the way to God and without God in the world. So for this reason, John asks in verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. How disappointed was Jesus to see that? Here he is, the savior of the world, the creator of all things, and his people know him not. His people refuse to believe in him. So John is highlighting that those who would recognize Jesus were the ones under the covenant of God, the children of Israel, the people in the land, the people who had the scripture to read and to know that and to look and to see that the indicators are right. This one is the one. It's the long, he was the long-awaited savior. They should have known that, but instead there was pushback against him because of the way that he came, not as they expected. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So we're in the prologue right here to this awesome book that John has written. One scholar puts it this way, but supremely, the prologue summarizes how the word, which was with God in the very beginning, came into the sphere of time, history, tangible. In other words, how the Son of God was sent into the world to become the Jesus of history, so that the glory and grace of God might be uniquely and perfectly disclosed. And so this writer says the rest of the book is nothing other than expansion and expansion of these themes here. So the divine Son of God is the one that came down. He was clothed in a body made of flesh and blood. We, see, we even see in 1 John, the same writer writes, you know, that which was from the beginning, from the beginning, at the beginning, who made the world, 
which we have heard. We've heard him. We've seen him. We've touched him. We've looked upon him. Our hands have touched him. The disciples of Jesus heard him speak words of wisdom. They watched him laugh. They watched him cry. Their eyes saw that he was a man in flesh and blood, a man who could become hurt just as we are, but yet a man and one who is fully divine as well. They were intimate with Jesus and knew the details of his life. You know, that one, Mary's son. They knew him. They knew his brothers. They knew his family. They were close to him. They were warmed by his embrace, his hug. You know, they may have been given high fives back then. Who knows? They even felt the, the touch of Jesus at their feet when he washed their feet, showing that he is a servant of all servants. You know, and, and Jesus did many acts of mercy, many services towards people. He touched their eyes. He touched their, their hands. He embraced them. So those that did receive Jesus, and there were many, and professed his name, were led by God to do so. God moved on their hearts, opened their eyes so that they, they can recognize that this is the one who has come into the world. This is my precious gift to you. So it's only through the Savior's interaction with us in the world that we're able to behold the gift of glory. It's only through his interaction with us that we're able to embrace the gift of grace. It's only through Jesus that we are able to accept the best gift that God has for us. Behold glory. Verse 14 states, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. Where was the glory of God first recognized? We alluded to it earlier. In the Exodus, the glory of God and the divine presence of God it was the revelation of God's being, his nature, his presence to man, sometimes with physical phenomena, like, you know, when in the Pentateuch, the, glo the glory of the Lord went with his people out of Egypt, leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and by fire at night, leading and guiding them with them the whole way. The cloud that rested on Mount Sinai was God's glory coming, coming down where Moses saw God's glory. And even Moses requested to see his glory, and God made it plain that, hey, you can't see me face to face. You know, we're, we're close. Um, we're friends. You, you know, you're the mediator, but I'm God and you're not. You can't see me face to face lest you perish. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and it's Especially at the hour of sacrifice. So what is the glory of the one and only who came from the Father? As we come to Jesus here, the baby wrapped in flesh is the glory of the Lord. He came from the Father. Jesus is the God-man to lead his people out of bondage of sin and misery in the world to hope in everlasting peace as the Prince of Peace. Through him, we see God face to face. Amen. Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle, dwelling in bodily form, full of glory, fully God and fully man. 
the glory of God was present during Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He did not come down from the cross, but suffered the humiliation through the most glorious act of obedience by standing on the cross for you and me. Behold the gift of glory. You know, there, there are people in the world who want this type of glory, and they will go to great lengths to get this type of glory. My friend, uh, wh- whom I, I drove out to L.A. one time, he met a guy named Eddie, and he recognized that Eddie was a business person. He was a go-getter, and he recognized that Eddie was always scheming. And after, Eddie was after one invention after another. I mean, he was an actor. He just did whatever, whatever put him in the limelight, whatever brought him glory, he wanted to be there. He had to have the best car, the best clothes, the best everything. You know, he had to have the cell phone deals, anything that would bring attention to himself. And finally, when I heard that Eddie had married a princess, I thought, he hit the jackpot. Surely he glories now, right? He's married to a princess. He should not have any other wants throughout his life. But you see, what we know about people who's always seeking glory for themselves, that's what they do. They're always seeking glory for themselves. And one day, Eddie called my friend, and he was doing just that, trying to scheme even further, trying to get more and more and more. He was not satisfied. You know, in this life that we lead, you know, we can see that Yes, there are some people who appear to be glorious because of what they have. You know, the man-made things that they have, they don't really last. Just like my radio, it didn't last. I don't, even, I don't know what happened to it. It didn't last. And you know, God has an unfading glory that, that will last. You know, we, we are prone to reject you know, God, we're prone to reject the wealth of the spiritual reality of Christ for our self-aggrandizement in this life, right? We're prone to wonder, you know, and you may be like me during this, during this Christmas season. You know, I have, a, I have a high place on family during this time. You know, I, I want the magic of Christmas sometimes over against the unfading beauty and glory of God. You know, give me another cup of cider, you know, give me some more Christmas music, please. Let me sit around with my kids and have a jolly old time. And we do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what's the motivation of our hearts during this time? You know, is it glory for ourselves? Or is it to really ponder the return of Christ? Ponder how much he means to us and what he's done for us. And so we are in friendships. We are in families but see, there's always something missed, right? It would never be the best that we want it to be until Christ returned. It is really good now because of Christ, but he's not finished with us yet. So God sees you, and he's leaning towards you today. He's the one who is coming towards you to bring you ultimate satisfaction. Satisfaction after satisfaction in him. He's leading you to continue to behold the gift of glory that comes through him, that's unfading. It reminds me of Moses when he came down from the mountain after visiting with God. 
You know, his face was shining brightly. And the people were afraid of even Moses because his, his face was so bright after being in the presence with God, presence of God. And he had to veil his face because they were so afraid. And now we with unveiled faces, right? Because Christ dwells within us. We can see each other face to face as Christ did and still have this glory of God. And even God is growing us more in his glory. So this is the gift God has for us, a gift of glory. But it's com- it comes through this embrace of God's grace. You know, we've heard that word so much today. Grace upon grace. You know, and verse 14 here, we see that Jesus is full, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Grace or grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is just full of grace and truth. You know, it is God's truth about Jesus that we believe. And it's through faith we receive this grace, the grace of the Lord, the divine favor that rests on those that believe John's message about Jesus, his life his birth, his life, his resurrection, his ascension, his promised return. You know, Jesus is the eternal vat of grace. If you can't imagine it being just poured out on you, even now, just poured out on you, continually, just poured out on you, is is never ending towards you. That's his favor towards you. This is his grace that he has for us that John is writing about. And it's by this grace that we are indeed saved. And it's that continued grace that he gives for us that we persevere, that we are sanctified, that we grow up more in Christ, that we can indeed run in Christ. It overflows towards us, and it's by merits, the merits of Christ and what he has done for us, that he can give us this grace over and over again. You know, Moses embraced the grace of Jesus through the promise that God would someday raise up a prophet like him. He believed the promises of God. And even God declared who he is to Moses, a God merciful and compassionate, you know, loving. And he believed God. So from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another, a grace upon grace. And, you know, and this has to be in the context, this idea that John is writing about, it has to be in this context of verse 17, you know, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Because this grace upon grace, we know his grace is never ending, but what John is getting at right here is that the grace that God had in the past is the same grace that he has for us in the present. The grace that was through the covenant at Sinai is the same grace that comes upon us in the new covenant. The same grace that, that Jesus had for the prophets and for our brothers and sister, sisters from the past is that grace that links us to them. That same grace is grace upon grace. It will never end for those who believe in Christ, who have been brought into him. John 5, 46 through 47, 
reads this, uh, for if you, talking about Moses here, for if you believe in Moses, you would believe in me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So Jesus is talking about this grace in this way, that, hey, look, you believe the things of Moses, you believe Moses received the grace of God, and yet you don't realize that Moses wrote about me, that I would be the one that would be gracious to you. How, how will you believe my words if you don't believe his words? So he's pointing to Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. You know, the, uh, the story that really is striking to me uh, from the Bible is Luke 7, 36 through uh, 49. If you remember that story, I'm just going to paraphrase it here a little bit. It's the story of someone that, that comes to Jesus while he's visiting with Simon, the Pharisee. And so they are reclining at the table and talking about all sorts of things. And, this, and this, a woman comes in. <clears throat> and a lot of the men are, are kind of disgusted that she comes in and that she begins to touch Jesus. She begins to weep at his feet. It's so beautiful. She's weeping at his feet, and she's washing his feet with her tears. And then she has this, this, this alabaster jar, and, and she breaks it open, and she pours this, uh, this, this perfume onto Jesus on his head, and it run, runs down. And uh, I could, I'll read this other part here of it just to highlight this ever-flowing grace. You know, uh, and then Jesus said to Simon, a certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he counseled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with them began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So beautiful of a picture of this grace that is lavished upon someone who would in turn respond to Jesus by giving her all to him. Has that been your story of grace? Has that been your story of how Jesus has touched you and has clean, cleansed you? from the inside out? Has it been your story where you have seen that, wow, only Jesus could touch me in this way to, to turn me towards repentance, to turn me towards forgiving others so that I can give myself as a living sacrifice? Is that your story during this Christmas season where you do want to just give and give and give so that others 
may be blessed by what Jesus has done in your life. That's the picture here, you know, and her faith, she, she has this huge faith, and we know that only God can change a heart so that she can see Jesus. For she has given much, Jesus said, because she was forgiven much. That's grace. So behold the gift of glory, and behold the gift, the, the, the embrace of, of God's grace. And lastly, here, if I get my notes straight, accept God. Accept Him. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the farthest side, has made Him known. Jesus, you know, John is declaring that this Jesus, whom you have heard about, this one, that the other people have given an account of, that this one, you know, he has seen God. Why? Because he is from God. You know, you have not seen God because we know through Scripture that to see him is to cease to exist. You can't even tell about seeing God after you've seen him. So no one has seen God but God, the one and only. There's no other son like Jesus. He's the one and only who could come and to wrap himself in the flesh of man to show us the Father and to show us the way to the Father. He's the one who has come and who has led us into seeing who he is, you know, the bread of life, unlike the manna that came and went. He's the bread of life that will stay and that will feed you forever. Jesus is indeed the gate for the sheep. He will allow you to come into his fold to find pasture. You know, he will make sure your needs are met, as a good shepherd does, so that you are not in, in want. And Jesus, he's divine. You're connected to him to receive your nourishment, to receive all that you need from God so that you can have the sustenance for life and to grow in the likeness of God. This is the one and only son of God. And right now, because of what Jesus did, he suffered on the, on the cross for you and for me. He died on the cross, and he was buried, and Jesus resurrected. He was raised from the dead, showing that all power is indeed in his hand, showing that he is the sacrifice of God, the one without spot or blemish, the one who has taken on the sin of the world, but yet the grave could not hold him. He could not stay in the grave. And so what, what he did, he went and showed himself, his glorified self, to his disciples. And they could not see him unless he revealed himself to them. And he said, I go to the Father, but I will return one day. The same manner that Jesus went up, he will return one day. And that's the message that we have, isn't it? That's the message of, that we have in this second advent as we await the return of our Savior. He has made the Father known. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the compassion of God. If you've seen Him, you've seen grace upon grace, favor towards you. And sometimes we doubt this, don't we? We have misbelief and misconceptions about, does Jesus really love me? You know, I know He died on my cross, but I'm going through something right now. 
I'm feeling lonely during this time of the year. Can Jesus come and meet my needs here? Can he be present with me during this time? Yes, he can. And guess what he does? He includes his body so that we can be with one another, so that we can befriend each other, so that we can be the testimony to one another of what Jesus has done in our midst. And that is amazing grace right there. We are to accept this message from God because it's God who first accepted us and he leads us not to reject his Christ, not to reject him, but to accept him. To say, yes, more of Jesus, more of Jesus on Monday, more of him on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and behold, you're back here on Sunday and more of Jesus on Sunday. We get to worship with him on this day. More of Jesus, more of him. You know, I never received the boombox that I wanted. And, uh, and as I began to reflect on that story, I began to see a face. And it's the face of my mother. She was so happy to see me opening those gifts and, and be surprised at the radio that she did buy for me. She was, she was just beside herself. I can see her smile even now, you know. And there I was, sitting down, just rejecting the gift in my heart. This is not the one that I wanted. I didn't whine or complain, but in my heart, I knew that it wasn't right where I was. And so God began to allow me to interact with this radio, and I, I began to have fun with it as the days went by. And it brought a lot of good memories. But again, it faded. It faded. But what has not faded is the love of, love of someone who showed favor towards me, and that's my mother. And because of that love, you know, it points to Jesus and how he smiles over us, doesn't it? And how he continues to be the gift of life towards us, doesn't it? How, how his message is still the same, how he still continues to come to us, doesn't it? So that we can behold his glory, saying, yes, Jesus, you are the one who has changed my life. You are the one who corrected my steps. You are the one who brought me out of the depths of my despair and my depression. Jesus, you are the one that has taught me how to embrace you back when I wanted to just do things my way. You taught me how to open my arms. You led me by your spirit to do that so that I can embrace you. Jesus, you, you teach me how to accept the Father over and over again. And by the Spirit, I can cry, Abba, Father, you are in heaven, and you do look to me. You sing over me, Father. You love me. This is amazing grace. This is good news, and this is the message God has for us as we wait upon the return of Christ. Would you wait in that peace? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for how you open our eyes and our hearts to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us a, a season, a time of, re, of just a concentrated time of reflecting upon you coming to the world and all the works that you've done in our midst. Lord, would you bless everyone here so that we remember as we go about this season that indeed you care for us, you love us, you're able to sit with us and be present. For you are the Prince of Peace.
Mm -hmm. And we thank you. Amen. Amen.